Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and I am really looking forward to talking to you today about sleep and three things that you might not know or really understand the impact of when it comes to sleep, specifically to not getting enough sleep. And I'll be honest, this is an area, and I've shared this with you before, that I need to move up higher on the priority list. And I have no doubt at all that my body composition would improve and my energy would improve if I moved this up. So I hope that as you listen today, we'll sort of be on the same page about changing our behaviors in whatever way we can to capitalize on the importance of sleep. And one thing, and I'm sure I'll say this as we go throughout, As we talk about sleep, I do not want you arguing for your limitations here. I do not want you listening to this, creating a counter-argument in your head about all that you can't do. Well, I can't go to bed any earlier because of X, Y, and Z. Well, I can't get up any later because of X, Y, and Z. Well, I can't get off my computer before I go to bed. Listen, I'm sure there is a lot that you can't do, and there's a lot that I can't do as well. But focusing on what we can't do is absolutely a waste of our time and our energy. What I want you to do is be searching for the things that you can do. Sometimes it makes us feel good. It's a little bit of like an ego protective mechanism to think about, focus on, and argue for all the things we can't do and why it's so hard. And all of those things exist in different ways for different reasons for all of us. What I want you to check yourself on as we go into this episode is really focusing on what you can do. And as your brain starts to drift to all you can't do or why it's hard or why it's a problem, I just want you to redirect to the simple question of what can I do? I get what I can't do. What can I do? So we're going to be talking about sleep. And I would put money on the fact that you are like me in that you're not getting enough of it. You're not getting enough of it. That, you know, so many of us, and it's, I'm praying that this trend shifts over the next several years, and I believe that it will, but it's almost like it's trendy to be tired, to be underslept, to be busy, to be exhausted. I mean, everybody says it. If you say, hey, how are you? I'm tired. I'm beat. You know, it's like the state of being, the state of being underslept, of being exhausted, of having low energy. We wear it like a badge of honor and everybody says it like it's just the way it is and it's hurting all of us. And I really hope that we begin to embrace prioritizing sleep and taking care of our own energy and adjusting our priorities so that self-care isn't like the bottom rung of the ladder as it seems to be for so many people. Over the last uh, 40 to 60 years or so, the amount of time we spend sleeping has decreased by about 
three hours. By about three hours. Most Americans, I know we have people all over the world listening, but most Americans are only sleeping for about five to six hours per night tops. But there's something that... It's not just about being underslept and having low energy. It's bigger than that. There is no coincidence that over the same period of time where we've been getting less sleep, just less sleep year after year after year, being more overtired and more underrested year after year, that as that has happened, obesity and diabetes have climbed. These trends mirror each other, and that is not a coincidence. There is a relationship between sleep deprivation, diabetes, and obesity. Sleep dramatically impacts your metabolism and your ability to burn fat. Not getting enough sleep lowers your metabolic rate and lowers your ability to burn fat. Seriously. I've got three primary points that I want to share with you today, and I'm going to go into each one, and it'll be a little bit science-y. We're going to definitely talk hormones in this episode, but I'm going to keep it high-level and actionable because I know a lot of us, myself included, think that the science is fascinating, but it's a slippery slope because sometimes we get ourselves so fascinated by the details that we distract ourselves and don't prioritize taking action. We get so consumed by learning that we aren't doing, and I don't want that for you, I don't want that for anybody. I want you to change your health. I want you to feel better. I want you to have more energy, experience less hunger, and burn more fat, right? I just want you to be healthier overall, and I want you to understand and more importantly implement some straightforward strategies that can get you there, that can increase your metabolism, that can increase your rate of fat burning. So the three things that we're going to talk about today. Number one, lack of sleep changes how your food is metabolized. It truly changes how your food is metabolized. There is a difference in how your food is metabolized when you are well rested versus when you are not. The second thing, lack of sleep makes you more hungry. It just does. And number three, lack of sleep impairs your fat-burning machinery. The cellular components that are responsible for burning fat do not work as efficiently when you are not rested. So let's talk about the details. Let's begin with number one, the fact that lack of sleep changes how your food is metabolized. And I'm going to link to um, some research and some studies over in the show notes at primalpotential.com if you want to look at it. I just remind you to be more focused on action than you are on information. So when we are underslept, when we are not getting enough rest, even for just a few days by a few hours, I'm not talking about years here, guys. These are measurable impacts seen after just a couple of days of not getting enough sleep and not getting no sleep, just cutting your sleep short by a few hours for a few days. What happens when we do that, when we are moderately sleep deprived, meaning a few hours less than what we need for a couple of days to a few days, our body will produce a larger blood sugar response to the same meal than it would if we were well rested. So basically the exact same meal 
produces a more dramatic impact on your blood sugar when you are sleep deprived, even just moderately, than it does when you are well rested. That is a big deal, right? Because understand that when you have this greater rise in blood sugar levels, a few things change in the metabolic process. More insulin is secreted in response. So that same meal that worked for you last week, that delivered results for you last month, that satisfied your hunger and quenched your cravings and led to fat loss, well, it might not do that when you aren't well rested because it's elevating your blood sugar more, adding more insulin to your system, increasing the chances of fat storage because there's more insulin around, that fuel delivery hormone, that storage hormone, plus the more dramatic increase in blood sugar will lead to more hunger and lower energy, but we'll get to the hunger and energy stuff in a minute. We tend to look at our food intake as static, right? And and we get so frustrated when we're like, I've always been eating this way and I've always felt fine and now all of a sudden my results have stopped and I'm doing the same things. We look at, say for example, having a sweet potato at dinner. That's always worked for me. And we pretend or we, we wrongly assume, maybe we aren't pretending, that that food is always going to act the same in the body and that is just not true. Food acts differently in the body depending on what is happening in your body, depending on how much sleep you've had, depending on how stressed you are. Literally, when we are sleep deprived, it changes how our food is metabolized and can really impair our fat burning potential based on that. So our glucose tolerance, how efficiently our body responds to elevations in blood glucose or blood sugar, our glucose tolerance is about 40% lower, 40% lower after just a few days of moderate sleep deprivation. That is major that has a significant impact on your fat burning potential after just a few days of moderate sleep deprivation. Basically, your body is 40% less efficient in clearing sugar from your blood, which means when we are in that anabolic state of metabolism, of taking the sugar and carrying it away to be used as energy or stored, we're not in fat burning mode. So if we slow that down, if we make that 40% less efficient, you bet that that has an impact on how much time you can spend in fat burning mode, on how quickly you return to fat burning mode after eating. It has an absolutely significant impact. Plus, that's not the only thing. It's not just the changes in blood sugar. It's also the impact on insulin. Your pancreas is responsible for producing and secreting insulin so that you can be efficient in responding to these elevations in blood sugar, so that you can clear the sugar out of the blood and get back to your fat burning business. But when we are sleep deprived, when we are even moderately underslept, our pancreas doesn't function as efficiently. It's not on top of its game. And that means your pancreas cannot efficiently produce and release the insulin you need to be carb tolerant. We create a state of carbohydrate intolerance and insulin resistance when we are sleep deprived. And you might be thinking, well, I'm already carb intolerant and insulin resistant. It gets worse. 
It's not like, are you carb tolerant, are you not? It's a spectrum. And when we aren't getting enough sleep, we make it worse. We make our glucose responsiveness less efficient. We make our insulin sensitivity lower. This happens when we are not getting enough sleep. Now, the second point, I want you to imagine for a second how much easier it would be to make great food choices and make progress towards your goals if you weren't hungry all the time. If your hunger was totally controlled, you might be able to say, that looks really good, but I'm not even remotely hungry right now. I think we can all agree that fat loss would absolutely be easier if we were not hungry. And lack of sleep increases your hunger, increases your appetite, and decreases your satiety, your feelings of fullness, your feelings of, oh, I'm good. Now, the research refers to this increase in hunger as it uses the term hyperphagia, hyper being more, phagia being to eat, so basically eating more actually eating more and wanting to eat more. And studies have repeatedly shown that people who sleep more eat less and people who sleep less eat more. Really, people who sleep more tend to eat less and people who sleep less tend to eat more. And I'll link to those studies again on the show notes on primalpotential.com, but I want to remind you that there is no study that matters more than what happens when you make changes. Now, this whole thing of why do we eat more if we're not sleeping as much? I mean, physiologically, it makes sense, right? Your body restores its energy, heals itself, recovers when you're sleeping. It does it overnight. When you aren't getting enough sleep, when you aren't getting enough rest, and you're not rejuvenating your body, your body is craving more energy. It's lower energy, obviously, when you aren't sleeping enough. And so how does it compensate for that when you get up and you get moving? It triggers you to eat more. It triggers you to have a greater appetite and a lower satiety signal, right? Lack of sleep, one of the things that it does that that we feel, but maybe we haven't thought about or understood, lack of sleep significantly disrupts the ratio of the hormone ghrelin to leptin, okay? So lack of sleep is screwing with how these guys work together. Ghrelin is one of the hormones that triggers hunger, And leptin, we talked about uh, in uh, the previous or two episodes ago, leptin is sort of our fuel gauge that, that triggers satiety or appetite. So we've got hunger and then we've got satiety, right? Eat more or eat less. When we are not sleeping enough, leptin production goes way down so the brain doesn't get signals of, oh, we've had enough, we're good here. But ghrelin production goes way up, meaning that we are more hungry. So we are more hungry, but less likely to feel sated, to feel satisfied after eating. These studies indicate, human studies, a 30% increase in appetite with moderate sleep deprivation. Can you guys imagine that if we just get more sleep, we could reduce our appetite by like 30%? That is major, major. And this combination of the changes we talked about with glucose tolerance and insulin responsiveness, and also the changes in our ghrelin to leptin ratio, 
leads to not only more hunger and less satisfaction from food, less of a feeling of, of fullness or satiety, it also leads to significantly more cravings, especially cravings for carbohydrates. The third thing that I want everybody to be on the same page about is the recovery process that we miss out on when we are underslept because sleep is mandatory for your body. When you sleep and your body temperature naturally drops as you sleep, when you enter those deeper phases of sleep, that is a trigger for your body to release hormones that help you recover, that help repair your metabolic machinery so that you're an efficient fat burner, right? These, these recovery processes that happen overnight, they're essential for health, but also for the overall maintenance of your body, which includes the maintenance of your fat-burning cellular functions. Growth hormone is one of our night shift hormones. We haven't talked too much about growth hormone, but growth hormone is produced by your body primarily overnight. And it repairs our cells, and growth hormone helps us burn fat, but it is a night shift worker. It does most of its job when we are sleeping. And if we aren't allowing it to complete its work, not only are we putting our health at risk, but we are for sure impairing the function of our fat-burning machinery, not just while we're sleeping, but in the days that follow. Lower activity of growth hormone, lower production of growth hormone, which is what happens when we aren't sleeping enough, is associated with muscle loss, fat gain, and a slower metabolism. So when we sleep more, we produce more growth hormone, and that is associated with a better body composition, with more fat burning and a faster metabolism. One of the most significant ways to impair the production of this important hormone, growth hormone, is not sleeping enough. Now, I know many people are like, well, I mean, so how much sleep do I want to be shooting for? And honestly, guys, as with most of the stuff we talk about, this depends on you. The more stress you have in your life or physical stress from illness or injury, the more sleep you need. How active you are determines how much sleep you need. The more active you are, the more recovery time your body needs, the more sleep you're probably going to need. It also depends on your age. Obviously, we see that, you know, teenagers, as, as their metabolic processes are on overdrive, they need more sleep. But this is different for all of us as we ebb and flow, and your body is going to let you know. You basically want to work towards feeling rested when you wake up. It doesn't have to be this hard and fast X many hours is the answer for everybody, Ideally, it's going to be a range for most people between 8 hours and 10 hours to feel rested when you wake, but you just need to start paying attention to what that rhythm is for you so that you feel rested when you wake. And guys, you might need to adjust your priorities. You might. Now, I'm not saying sell your children, but there's, we can create all of these reasons, well, I can't because of this, well, I can't because of that. What do you need to do to make this happen? Because it is impacting your health. Yeah, we're talking about the fat loss implications, but don't you think that if you're creating a state of insulin resistance because of your lack of sleep, 
and you are putting on weight or not losing weight because of your lack of sleep, don't you think that's about more than fat loss? Don't you think that has a significant downstream impact on your health that might impact your family more than soccer practice and gymnastics? We must move this higher on the priority list. And you can either argue for all the reasons that you can't, or you can adjust things so that you can make improvements here, so that you feel rested when you wake. Now, the quantity of sleep, the number of hours of sleep we're getting is one part of it. The other factor that we all can improve, no matter what's going on in our lives, is the quality of our sleep so that we are getting into those deeper stages of sleep more quickly and staying in them for longer. And there are a few things we can do. And the first one is lower the temperature of the room in which you are sleeping. We don't want to be like little, little heaters while we sleep. We want our body temperature to drop and we want to facilitate that. And in a cooler environment, it will be easier to get into the deeper, more restorative phases of sleep. So lower the temperature of the room in which you are sleeping. The other thing is do not eat or work out within two to three hours of sleeping because both of those things, eating and working out, will increase the hormone cortisol. Cortisol is one of our stress hormones, but it impacts sleep because cortisol and melatonin work like a seesaw. And when we elevate cortisol, we suppress melatonin. And we don't want to suppress melatonin within a few hours of bedtime because melatonin is part of what helps us fall asleep and stay asleep. So we don't want to do anything within a couple of hours of going to bed that is going to elevate cortisol because the impact of elevating cortisol is a suppression of melatonin. Another thing you can do that lots of people won't do, and that's your choice, is eliminate electronic usage within a couple of hours of bedtime. Read a book instead. Have a conversation with an actual human being instead of being on your phone or on your laptop or watching the TV because the light emitted from the electronic devices is a particular type of light referred to as blue light, even though it doesn't look blue to you. And that blue light suppresses melatonin. And I just explained why we don't want to do that. So minimize your use of electronic devices in the couple of hours before bed. And the other thing is, as you wind down in the evening, turn the lights out. If you are reading a book, have as little light as possible. Enough light to read, but not necessarily the overhead light and the lamps and whatnot, because there are photoreceptors in your skin that can sense the light, and your body artificially believes that it is daytime when it is nighttime, and that messes with your circadian rhythm. So these photoreceptors in your skin are responding to the light, and we really want to match the circadian rhythm of the day. So when the sun sets, we want to minimize our exposure to the light to allow our hormone production to shift and help us wind down and be able to fall asleep and stay asleep. So there's a lot of things we can do, and again, I want to really strongly encourage you not to focus on all the things you can't do and why it's so hard and why you can't get more sleep. If you cannot increase the number of hours you are sleeping, then I want you to focus on the quality of sleep that you're getting. And I want you to really consider what you can do to get more sleep. 
when you can, how you can, where you can. It is very important for both health and for fat loss, for your metabolism, for your fat burning machinery, for your energy, and for your appetite. All right, let's wrap up with what I ate yesterday. Um, coffee prior to working out. I had coffee through the morning until lunchtime. Uh, at lunchtime, I had a salad with some leftover steak that I had made the night before. So just literally leafy greens and a half a tomato and a half a cucumber and a half a steak. Um, and then dinner yesterday was a red meat kind of day. I had, I made a grass-fed burger, no bun, just a burger with some really high quality uh, cheese. I don't do cheese a whole lot, but uh, it was worth it. It was delicious. And it's fine if you do do cheese. It's just not what I do on a regular basis. Um, but I had a salad with grass-fed burger and some really delicious cheddar cheese that was amazing. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Like I said, the uh, some of the references, resources will be up on the show notes page over at primalpotential.com. And I hope you get some excellent sleep over the next few days. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there. This is your moment. Your moment to move forward and make progress. It's time to see where an education can take you. For over 130 years, Strayer University has been at the forefront of change, offering programs that help students like you get ahead and stay ahead, so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV. Hey, Mike. Glad you could join me for some great seafood. Me too. Wait, why are you dressed in fishing gear? You said we were going out to catch great seafood, right? Yes, to Popeye's. Do you even know how to fish? No, I thought you did. Oh, yeah. I could catch pretty good seafood at Popeye's. Let's go. Let Popeye's do the fishing while you enjoy our delicious signature seafood. Get Popeye's flounder fish sandwich or shrimp tackle box before they're gone. Limited time at participating U.S. restaurants.